seated, and I hope that you got a bulletin to follow along with uh, this morning as we continue through worship. There are some announcements in there. Let me begin by just saying welcome. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're glad that you started the new year off visiting with us. We'd like to have a record of your visit, if you're willing, and there's a blue card somewhere in a pew in front of you. And if you'd like to fill that out and at least let us know that you visited with us, we would love to make contact with you. And if there's any way that we can minister to your family and help, we would be glad to do that. Also, for prayer requests, as we're starting the new year, obviously, we want to update everything and uh, catch everybody up. And so if you have a prayer request, also fill that prayer card in, and we'll be glad to share those and minister to you through prayer as well. But you'll see several announcements. The big one is today that obviously there are no uh, ministries still tonight. We want you to spend the rest of the holidays with your family. Uh, we say it this way. Sometimes we need a break from having a break with our families, right? Everybody had kids home, and it's finally time to rest uh, from all the vacations. But we want you to enjoy the day. Next week, everything will be back up and running. We do have Sunday school right after this, and so we do have the Sunday school classes. I will be working with the officers uh, right after church in this room. So for those of you fellowshipping, we'll give you a few moments to fellowship, and then we may move you right on out the sanctuary so that we can continue our training as we go forward as well. But we want you to enjoy the time. We do have several announcements. We'll let you look on the back of the bulletin. You can keep up with those. Uh, we try to post those for you. Uh, we did announce that uh, we are debt-free, and what a blessing that is. But it's only the beginning of what we need. Um, I have uh, spoken with uh, Mike Moriarty, our treasurer, as you know, for many years. I don't think many of you, if, if you haven't been here like I haven't all the years, Mike hasn't just been a treasurer. He's been serving in capacities for, I think it's 20 years straight, Mike, we were talking, something like that. And uh, he's rotating off right now as a session member uh, along with Neil Allen. Neil is our other elder that's rotating off. And so this morning we want to uh, obviously thank them for their service, but Mike also, multiple hats with Treasury, Lisa Phipps, I've spoken with her this week, she's given me the right to mention as well that um, a lot of transition going on in their lives, and sometimes they just need a break and a transition, and so what we want you to pray about is not only are we debt free, and now we have all these millions of dollars that we don't know what to do with, and Mike and Lisa are saying... You guys can just have it and do what you want. No, what they're saying is they really need some time to transition. They have served faithfully for many, many years. And so we want you to pray. One of our biggest prayer requests is if you are someone interested in being treasurer or someone who is even interested in, in helping with all of our finances, Lisa is willing to take some time and several months if needed to help transition and train and to see what she does. And you don't have to keep doing it that way. She has made it clear to me. But... Um, she too would like to transition out and so we're just here to pray um, that if you're someone who does that and you have those gifts um, Lisa's job is a paid position in our church uh, the treasury is just out of the love of your heart we appoint you by the session but no it may be that that has to change our point is uh, we just want you to pray before we move forward and move outside to do something that if you have those gifts or you would like to be a part of our finance team and help us in that direction, please come forward and either let me, Pastor Nick, or one of the members of the session know uh, so that we can begin that process. Because they have served so faithfully for so many years and deservedly just need a chance to take a rest and to let God use them in other ministries as well. They won't be quitting everything, but just to do something differently. Um, and along with that, it's, same, it's the same with other ministries as we look forward this year. 
uh, we would love for you to plug in. Let us know if you like teaching. Let us know if you want to be a part of ministries. We have from our deacon ministries uh, all the way down to helping people and serving in the classes. And uh, we don't want you to spend a whole nother year not serving if you have gifts that you can help us with. So all of that to say as we begin the new year, uh, pray about how it is God wants to use you and how it is that you can plug in and help us as we continue uh, to further his kingdom here. And so other than that, we want to enjoy worship. We want to spend some time together. Uh, we do have several prayer requests that are listed here. We try to update those as we go along. Um, I do know that um, Sarah, that had some surgery this past week, is back at home. And so we just want to pray for her as she continues to recover. Pray for uh, Carl and Susan uh, as they work with her and are schooling and uh, future uh, surgeries in their family as well. So let's continue to lift them up. Uh, if you have special prayer requests, please let us know, and we'll be glad to mention them as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll lead us to the throne of grace, and if you would, join me in just a moment in the Lord's Prayer. If you need that, it's inside the red cover of the hymn book there, the red hymn book, if you would like to follow along. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look forward to a, a whole new year, we, we surrender it first by saying, Lord willing, if it comes. Lord, we don't know the days that are numbered. We don't know just how long the year will last or how many more years will last. But Lord, we surrender all to you. Lord, help us to be obedient in what it is you've called us to do. Lord, help us to be submissive, to listen to your Holy Spirit and his will in our hearts. Lord, as we learned this morning about faith, Lord, increase our faith as the disciples prayed the same. The Lord, we might be used, uh, Lord, to further missions, to further service, to further, uh, further our ministries here in the community. Lord, to further our gifts, that we may be drawn closer to you and to serve more faithfully. Lord, I do pray that uh, you'll guide and direct us in the next steps here. Lord, as we move and transition from one uh, right to another, that, Lord, you will just make it clear to us what it is you want us to do. Lord, I, I pray for the world, especially. Lord, it's for a year. Lord, we've watched... Hearts being torn and lives being shredded and countries being at odds. And Lord, only you understand it all. And yet, Lord, we lift up each family on both sides for the loss of husbands, the loss of sons, the loss of children and families and relatives. And Lord, we ask ourselves for what? Lord, is it for our own selfish gains? Is it for our own accomplishments? Lord, help us to just humbly submit and realize that you are Lord over all, that even governing authorities submit to you, and that your will will come about in the right time. Just help us, Lord, understand. Help us to continue to be faithful in prayer, to pursue peace at all costs, Lord, that we might bring glory to you, and not only around the world, but, Lord, in our own lives as well. Lord, if it's within our families, if it's at our work, if it's with our children, our parents, or even within our church, Lord, do the same. Give us the patience in prayer that we might understand what purity and peace truly means. That this year, we might understand the closeness of our body more than ever before. Lord, all of this we bring to you as we lift up our families that need prayer for the surgeries they're going through, for the surgeries they face. Lord, for the changes in careers, Lord, we pray that you'll continue to give direction. For our graduates, for our college students. Lord, we just lift up our whole church here this morning, knowing that we've done nothing, Lord, to deserve your grace and favor. We've accomplished nothing that would raise the standard to say that you owe it to us. And yet, Lord, you willingly gave us your son 
you tore the veil, you opened the throne of grace, and you allow us to come together with the boldness and confidence as we pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For our confession of faith, just one question this morning. I'll read the question and then let's respond together. Question 73. How does faith justify a sinner in the sight of God? Faith justifies a sinner in the sight of God, not because of those other graces which always accompany it, or of good works that are the fruits of it, nor as if the grace of faith or any act from the grace of faith were imputed to him for his justification, but only as it is an instrument by which he receives and applies Christ and his righteousness. Again, again, faith is our empty hands and Christ fills it. We come to him with nothing, he fills it, and we look to, try, to Christ by faith. Well, let's pray this corporate confession of sin together. Please pray with me. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. So before any resolutions are made, although some of you may have made resolutions, we have a promise from God first. It's his faithfulness that we look to, his grace, his mercy, because none of us have kept our resolutions perfectly. So receive this promise by faith, brothers and sisters. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Jesus has earned that for us. Trust in him, look to him, and be at rest and at peace. Now we have the opportunity to worship the Lord through giving. And I'm going to ask those who will be receiving the morning's offering to come forward. And let's pray together. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that we are gathered here again at the beginning of the year. And we come to you now trusting in you, rejoicing in your faithfulness, rejoicing in your love, your abundance, Lord, your faithfulness in uh, allowing us as a church to be debt-free. You have been faithful. And now, Lord, give us grace to give with joyful hearts, with glad hearts, thanking you and trusting you to provide everything that we need individually as what we need for families and, Lord, what we need as a church. Lord, until you return, the gospel is going to continue to go out. So, Lord, help us to participate in that fully. And we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
Thanks again to our music team as we start a whole nother year. If you're interested in helping, please know that you too can be a part of the music ministry and come and help us. And so please let us know if you would be a part of that. We're picking back up where we were in Hebrews. I know there's not a lot left and I am not going to go verse by verse through chapter 11 where we are on faith. But I don't want to skip over some of the most critical things that the Christian life needs. This morning I... Put it out there before you, is it possible to please God? That could be answered in so many ways. If you were to look at that as a question to say, well, what do you mean? Can I please him on my own efforts? Am I able to do it on my own? Can I do the things that make me right? You would finally say that's an unfair question because how could I ever do that on my own? If you looked at it as saying, well, of course I could please God if he's not looking at what I've done but what Christ has done for me and now that I'm covered in the blood of Christ... Well, of course, I can do that which pleases God. And so the writer of Hebrews here this morning, if I can take us through just the first few several verses to let us look at what it really means to have faith and the possibility of pleasing God. Because maybe you've asked yourself that same question. How do I know what it is I'm doing is actually pleasing to the Lord? What is it? that maybe God wants me to do that would be more pleasing to the Lord. We live in a world that constantly puts us in categories about what we accomplish, and sometimes our salvation, our spiritual life is no different. We categorize it based on what we're accomplishing, even if it's set by others. So this morning, I want you to read along with me in chapter 11, the first few verses, about the importance of faith. We've been through an entire letter in which A sermon tells us that we are to be made right only by Jesus Christ with the Father, that reconciliation is only made possible through the sacrifice that was made by Jesus, that many people are turning back to a way that seems easier, and so the Hebrew Christians at the time are constantly confronted with going back to the old ways in which they were living, and this morning maybe you too find it sometimes a trial and a struggle in your Christian life, and you can say to yourself, it was so much easier When I just a Christian and stayed at home and did my own thing and my relationship was just between me and Jesus. And so this morning I read to you the importance of knowing how it is we can persevere in our faith. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. 
Let me take just those few verses and begin to expound on them, if I can, this morning about faith. It's something that all of us need probably more than anything else in our life. To understand that word, as we have talked about before, this putting together is a trusting of faith. It's a, a belief that has action that goes forward from beginning to end. Let me remind you that faith is something that we don't just begin with, but faith is something we must live with. For many of us, we think back to the time in which we have placed our faith in Christ. It's easy to go back and think of the time in your life, and well, I was nine, or I was 11, or I remember when I was a teenager, or when I was a young adult, I remember when God made himself known to me, and I placed my faith. The hard question is this, well, how have you served him now faithfully since that happened? Because now we start to think about everything we've done. Do You see, the relationship started on faith, but now somehow it's to the point where we're working out all the things we need on our own so God will be happy with us, rather than realizing that our relationship with Christ doesn't just begin with faith, it also ends with faith and must continue in between the entire time by faith in Jesus Christ. So as we waver back and forth, faith we see here is linked to this word called hope. Elpidos is the Greek word for hope. But he has several here that I want to show you in Scripture that people translate differently. Before we understand the faith, whatever translation you're reading, there's several different words that are put together. But in all cases, they're linked together, as it says, with hope. That which was hoped for. Because we are learning in Romans chapter 5, if you remember, what, what comes from perseverance is character. And from character comes what? Hope. And it is the hope that will never, what, disappoint. When we begin to talk about a life of the Christians, those who have faith, we're talking about a life of hope that will never disappoint, that the promises will come true. And so these are the words that are used. Look at verse 1. Now, faith, faith is the assurance. Some of you have a translation that say, faith is the certainty of the things that have proved. Or have been proven. It's the Greek word hypostasis, and you have to understand why. Some would even say faith is the substance of things hoped for. Because that word hypostasis is the word that is used based on something that is material, has substance to it, and many times throughout all the papyri relates to the things of property. You might say, well, what does that matter then? What, if, what am I talking about that faith is something about assurance of property? Think about it this way, as many people would know the analogy that do you remember when Paul tells us the Holy Spirit is a what a down payment and we all realize that what does that mean I mean the Holy Spirit is a down payment well it's the the partial payment it's the guarantee it's that of which is to come and we accept that but if you could look to faith now and realize that when we're talking about an assurance or a certainty of that which is a property or something that is possessed it would actually look something like this that the assurance as the Holy Spirit is a down payment, so faith is the title deed to that which we will possess in the future. Faith is the link that allows us to realize that that which has been promised to us is already there waiting for us, and we already own and have a title deed, if you wish, to that which we will own. It's no different than the Holy Spirit guaranteeing the things of the future. Our faith is what brings certainty to everything that God has promised. The important part is he puts it into the relationship of that which is unseen. Why faith differs so much is it also tells us here that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Your translation may say the conviction, something that God has given to us, the assurance or the certainty there that is used. It is also the proof 
of that which we have hoped for, which we have been promised. This morning, I want to talk to you quickly about your Christian life and where your faith is. If you don't have biblical faith, you will never please God. Those aren't my words. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. This morning, I speak to you about having the reality of a true biblical faith. How do we recognize that? How do we know where this conviction that God gives us about the things that he has promised is evidence of what's coming forward? That's the word that is used here. Elengos is the word that is used for evidence or conviction. It is the word that is actually used throughout as proof or evidence in court. That's how strong he's saying. Faith is the substance. It's the certainty of the proof that holds weight in all the stuff of court for this land or document or property, if you wish, that you're going to be given. Wow, this seems awful deep sometimes, all this for faith. You see, God cannot be seen with your own physical senses. Yet if I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you believe God exists? Just how can you believe in something you have never seen? Just where does that conviction come from? Just where does that certainty arise from? Isn't it amazing that we begin to realize that Christians are separated from the people of this world? For we have conviction and proof and certainty in things that the world still sees as unseen. And if they're unseen, they're unbelievable. And so it affects everything in our lives but from the beginning of time, we realize that even here it says here that if we believe God exists, he rewards those who seek him. Folks, we have a God that rewards us for our faith. We've learned that in the previous chapter. If you go back and look at Hebrews 10, we realize that Jesus is the one who is the one who provides all of the promises and has never failed. And so I challenge you this morning in your faith from the beginning of your Christian life to the end when Christ comes, just what kind of faith? do you have? That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. It's the Hebrews of the faith. From the beginning of time, the record of time, clear back to all of redemptive history, the writer here gives us some good examples, if you wish, some moral applications, if you wish. Live people, real people, real instances, true history. These are real people that the writer gives us about how we can see faith in action. You see, that's the critical side of this whole Teaching, just when does our faith become so real that it leads to action? Let me just ask before I go forward, is Christ so real to you that it has led to action? Or are you still just talking about the unseen things that nobody else can see? Do you see if the reality is there? Here's the statement. It's not mine. I forget who wrote it. I wrote it a long time ago in a book by writing about what faith is. So I apologize, but it was meant a lot to me. So let me give it to you. It makes a lot of sense probably because it's not mine. Somebody else wrote it down. It says this. Faith is the confident assurance based on God's given conviction about unseen realities. Faith is the assurance that we have based on a God-given conviction about the unseen realities in this world. You see, the people outside of faith don't understand that. 
The people who don't follow Jesus Christ don't realize that. They don't realize why your life has changed, why your life is different, how it is that you do things that they don't understand why you do them. And why would you do them when there's no record of any indication in this world of making a difference? Why are you working for something that nobody else can see? Hardest thing for my father was to try to picture his son surrendering his life to serve someone who would promise him a heaven that nobody has ever verified. How many of you have raised children who are going to serve a risen king that nobody knows where he's at? Oh, the world has wonderful ways to mock, to ridicule, because they have not what it takes to recognize the reality of the unseen. Well, just how do I have that? God gives us testimony. It's not just the heroes of faith that you think that are listed here. Let me take you on a journey where we as Christians, when our, we have proper faith, can truly hold on or confess that faith unashamedly. We have the conviction of what God has taught us. We have his word to tell us those things. We can hold fast and forth that word that he's given us, knowing that we've been convicted to cling to those promises that he has for us. It's the entire Christian life laid out while a hostile world is against you. The question becomes, are you going to be like the Hebrew Christians when the world gets so hostile, we'll just decide to turn our back and join them and stop fighting for the unseen realities? Well, let me take you on that journey. It begins by understanding a proper faith. Let me take you on that journey. First of all, faith has to be in relation to creation. Now, this is where God becomes our example, not just other heroes of faith. You might have glanced right over it. First of all, faith deals with creation. Let me tell you about your faith. Look what it says in verse, in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. He's our first example. It doesn't start with uh, Abel here and then go to Enoch and then go down. It starts with God. If you're going to have a true faith, you have to have the example of what God has done and trust in him. We have the wrestling match today all about creation. I couldn't do that here this morning. You know me, I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I believe the Bible is what it says. I believe creation happened as it says. I'm one of those that loves to talk about that and see how that play plays out in the end. And I see no need to change things just because I don't have an, a, a seen proof on why he said things happened the way they did. I truly believe that when Scripture said it happened that way, I take it by faith that it what? It happened that way. But we live in a world that says it couldn't have been that way because we don't have proof. We don't have no way to prove that. It doesn't seem that that could be right. It must be a different way. And so all of a sudden, our faith is challenged, even back to the point of creation, to the God who said he did it by no other proof than the same spoken word he said changed your life. Do you have the faith to believe that? Do you have the faith to go back to realize that the visible did come from the invisible or the non-seen? And if he could create a world that wasn't in existence from the things that didn't exist and bring them from a realm of the invisible, how could he not do the same in the future? How could he not bring about promises to a heaven in which we've not seen, to a realm in which people live, which we're told the resurrected bodies will go, to a throne in which we will all gather? Do you see the first things always are attached to the last things? The things from the beginning belong to the things that are at the end. Jesus himself even said it this way, I am the first and the last. I am the alpha and the what? Omega. 
We can't just truncate one and say, well, you know what? I want to believe in the future, but I'm not so sure about why it even started in the past. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that we get to the future. And folks, that's not true. Because an accurate faith is the same faith that believes in what's coming in the future has to be the same faith that believes in the spoken word about what he did in the past. He's the same God. He's the same providential care around and about us. He's the one who works to make sure everything in our lives has been sovereignly cared for. You see, we're not putting our faith in creation. We're putting our faith in who? The creator. We're putting our faith in the one who did all this. The point of the heroes, heroes of faith here in chapter 11 is not to put our faith in them and to not become like them, but to look forward to the promises in Christ by faith, to point forward to the promises that he's made for us. Faith is looking forward no differently than as we understand the past. I will give you this and I'll move on as we understand. Just as God controlled the beginning, he'll control your life now. There's nothing that's happened. If you can imagine, he could bring it all about in the whim of a fiat, a decree. Just imagine what he could do to your life when he wants to. And yet sometimes we say he can't do it unless we let him. What kind of faith is that? Faith in a God who cannot work to bring about change unless we let him. So all of a sudden we get that story where we realize that faith itself accepts the verdict of Scripture. How many of you believe that Jesus went on to prepare a place for you? Only Scripture tells you that. How many, of you, how many of you believe that the dead in Christ will rise and receive a spiritual body and surround the throne of grace and worship him forever? Only scripture tells you that. You see, all of a sudden we realize that faith itself begins with God in the acceptance that all of our faith is placed on this understanding that the verdict of what is real and what is true is based on scripture. Take away scripture, and you have an argument. Well, I don't know, God. I, I, I'm not sure how you did that. I'm not sure why you did that. Things today don't look the same. I, they don't seem to make sense about how it works. And it takes us to the argument of Job. Back in chapter 38, you remember the story of Job? He gets to a point where he's wrestling with God, and God stops him in the midst, if I can paraphrase. And he says in chapter 38, ho, 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 Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of this world? Let me tell you what God really said, if I could paraphrase it in my own words. Job, just how many times did I ask you for help when I created the rocks? Job, just how much did you have in the input of how the stars were going to circle the universe and the galaxies were going to work together? Uh, jo Job, by the way, just how many times did I need your help in figuring out how man and woman could be different and work this thing through? What he was saying is, Job, wait a minute. What you're telling me is the only thing you're going to believe in is if you are part of understanding how it happens. And if that's the case, we have proof of nothing. Because it's our faith that rises. It's our faith that separates us. 
not just because we believe in creation, that faith allows us to see this assurance that we have this evidence of a substance of the unseen. God's proven it in the beginning of creation. He brought about the physical from that which was non-physical. The reality that exists for the heaven that exists, the new earth that exists, the new bodies that exist. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged and say to yourself, if I can't prove it or I can't see how it works scientifically, that it's just not true. That's not biblical faith. He moves on to the second one. Listen, not only is faith dealing with creation, but he now begins to bring about some of our existence and people's, even before our patriarchs. Listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, it was Abel who offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Folks, think about this. Abel now is one, just as God was dealing with faith in creation, Abel gives us faith in redemption. True faith understands redemption clear back in the days of Abel. It's a faith in action. We get to see how Abel did it. Isn't it amazing that somehow Abel, who only had with his parents, probably back in the garden, go with me on this now, when God had to provide coverings for the sinners and he sacrificed the animal to make coverings, which we see as a foreshadowing of a future sacrifice, which we need to cover us, and yet somehow Abel didn't miss that. Somehow Abel caught the fact that the better sacrifice would be one of the sacrifice of an animal, that would be the shedding of blood, that would need the remission of sins, that in order for him to be right with God, to be reconciled, to have redemption, he could say to his brother, Cain, look, you bring what you want, but there's something about this sacrifice that's going to allow my guilt by faith, by faith, Enoch did this, or Abel did this. I'm going to let this sacrifice take my guilt and trust that God's going to reconcile me and make things right. And it only came by the word. Do you have that faith? Folks, Genesis 4, the story of Cain and Abel, is not about two good people who deserve to be right with God. It's the story of sinners. It's the story of two men, two brothers who are trying to be right with God or worried about how God's going to look at them. This isn't a story about what God accepted Abel because he was a much more righteous person. Listen to what the scripture said. It was through his sacrifice. It was through his offering that he was commended. In other words, by faith, he trusted it made no sense to the rest of the world that would come. It would make no sense to his own brother who didn't understand that God demands a sacrifice for sin. There has to be a covering that's going to be here. And I need to trust in that, whether it makes sense or not. And I ask you this morning, it's no different as we trust looking forward. Do you understand the need for a sacrifice for your guilt to be placed on? So that God and you can be reconciled through a redemption that was planned? Or does that just not make sense because you've never seen it happen? You just bring to God what you want and do what you want and, and do the things the way you like because there's no other reason any different. Or do you have faith again in the verdict of Scripture? Your faith must understand God and creation the unseen. Your faith must understand redemption without the shedding of blood, without faith, without hope. The same thing that Abel did. This redemption that led him to action. Today it's no different. Is your faith leading you to action? Do you know about Jesus? 
Do you know what's expected in relationship with Jesus? Or has your faith actually led you into that relationship of trust? Oh, the world's not going to understand it. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to make any sense. But it's not just about creation and redemption. He goes a little bit further. Look what it says in verse 5 and 6. He says, it was by faith, again, that Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Go back into the scriptures, and we were told that he had walked with God. Folks, not only is faith with creation, and not only does your faith have to do with redemption, but it has to understand salvation. A faith that is true, that is pleasing, understands salvation, that Enoch walked with God. That means he had faith along his journey. He exercised his faith. He placed his faith in what was happening so much so that when God took him home, he realized that he was pleasing to God. Never says he wasn't a sinner. Never says that he'd never committed sin. It just says that it was because of his faith that he understood the salvation and experience. And it's no different for us. If I could ask you in your Bibles, turn back just a few chapters to the book of Thessalonians. Just turn back to the left, one of Paul's writings about the end. And watch an amazing understanding that just what Enoch experienced is no different than what we experience. You see, a faith that understands that there is a place that God's going to take us. There's a place that we are going to live. There is a place where existence happens after the dead die. There is a place that even those who have died can have hope to be resurrected. Because Enoch is the proof that true faith leads to salvation. A realm in which the people don't understand because it's unseen. Nobody else has seen a thing like that. Maybe your faith is stuck in only believing what others have experienced. And this morning you realize... Enoch's faith gives us a glimpse of the unseen reality of salvation. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me begin reading this in verse 15. For we declare to you by a word from the Lord. I mean, remember, Scripture is the verdict. What are you trusting, the Scriptures or the things that you see with your eyes? For we declare to you a word from the Lord that we who are alive... Who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive, let me just put it this way, and those who are like Enoch, and those who've never tasted death. This isn't something that's weird. This is just not something that's come to fruition yet. We're still dealing with the unseen realities. We're dealing about a future hope. We're dealing about the things God has promised. And just because they haven't happened yet, others have given up hope. They've given up a belief in that. They've given up following Christ. And here we're told this. For the Lord himself, when he descends, verse 17, 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Encourage one another with these words. Does your faith connect you to salvation? The true salvation. That yes, we will live again. We will be resurrected. We will be in the presence of the Lord. It's a reality that people without faith just don't understand. To them, when the body dies, you're dead. It's over. It's done. This world is it. There's no proof of an everlasting life. There's no proof of some kind of resurrection. 
We've never found bodies roaming around in the stars, and if we can't prove that that's real. You would think that if God was real, you would think that if redemption was real, you would think that if salvation was real, we would at least have some kind of physical proof that this exists. Write down verse 6 again. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must trust in the spoken word. You must have faith and believe wholeheartedly in what God says is true. That's what motivates and encourages us to go forward. Does your faith this morning, has your faith tied you to salvation? Do you have the conviction of the unseen? Do you have the proof within your heart? Do you have the assurance that's tied together that I will be with Jesus? I will be at the throne of grace. I will be worshiping him. Why? Not because of anything I've seen, but because the spoken word is true. And I have it in my heart. I have the down payment of the Holy Spirit. And I have the trust deed of the scriptures, the faith that tells me it's going to happen. Yes, not only do we believe God exists, verse 6, but we must believe he is a rewarder of those who seek him. If he's going to reward us, I'm telling you the greatest part is that salvation, which no one else has seen. Finally, he tells us, not only is faith linked to understanding creation in God or redemption as we see through Abel or even the salvation as we see with Enoch, but listen to this in verse, uh, as we continue six, when it says, or seven, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household, but by this condemned the world. It is only by faith you understand condemnation. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. How can a loving God allow anybody to go to hell? How could a God who cares for the people he created allow them to suffer? Why would any God let a world function like it is and allow people to suffer and to one day just be destroyed? in a place called hell. Well, I'll tell you why they argue that way. Because their faith, if you wish, is only in that which is proven. In a scientific proven realm. In a physical sight and senses realm. What we're looking for now is the people who have faith to see the things that are unseen. The reality of the things that are true. Because of scripture telling us. So your faith is tied to condemnation. Noah was set apart from his contemporaries. If I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you sometimes feel like you're living in a world with contemporaries that you are totally different than? It's your fault, trust me. Because you're the one that stands convicted to treat people differently when others don't. You're the one that stands convicted to understand how to use grace, how to trust in patience, 
let me put it this way, you're the one that has a conviction, which makes no sense to so, to so many people when you have to turn the other cheek. Oh, come on now, Lord, I'm telling you right now, if you knew what they were doing, you'd be whooping them before I did. If you just heard the things they had said, if you just saw how they wanted to hurt me, if you could just understand the pain that this has caused, oh, okay, but I'll be gracious, I'll be forgiving, and I'll turn the other cheek for no other reason. Faith is the certainty of the convictions that God has given that the unseen reality is what really matters. Noah was separate from his contemporaries. Here's the funny thing. Noah knew what others just refused to acknowledge. He tried to tell them. Have you ever tried to tell someone about Jesus Christ? I know we live in a world we all think we do by our actions. I'm saying this gently. I've heard a lot of people call it lifestyle evangelism. If you just live a good life, other people will see that and want to be saved. That's not how that works. It's the proclamation of the gospel that matters. It's the good news that comes by the hearing. Blessed are the hind feet of those who bring good news. If you've ever gumptioned up enough faith to simply look at that person and say, look, let me just ask you something. We've been talking, and the truth of it is, have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? Wow, you don't know what you're going to get. Do you mind if I take just a moment to tell you how Jesus Christ brought the unseen realities to my life? Give me just a moment to talk to you about how my life has changed because I realized there was a whole other world that exists that I wasn't able to see until Jesus Christ opened the eyes of my heart. That's why I do things differently. That's what motivates me to live for him. If they don't have that, they'll never understand it. But the world is living in a false sense of security. Can you imagine in Noah's day? Let me say it briefly or quickly, but here's Noah telling you, folks, it's going to rain, and i got to get on this ark. And the people are going, probably we've never seen rain before in our life. Only waters that have ever existed before. I mean, did they rise from the grounds? Did they come about? I mean, was it I mean, what are you talking about rains? We've got no proof of this, Noah. You're telling us about a God who is going to judge us and condemn us because of our sins that you call them when we're all happy and about. We're going about living our good. It seems to me, Noah, you're the only person upset with the way life is going. We refuse to accept that. Where do you get this? I got it from the word of the Lord. The verdict. That if God said it's going to happen, it's going to what? It's going to happen. Condemnation. Noah trusted in the unseen promise that the rains were coming. The ark better be built and the people better be warned. The sad part those that refuse to acknowledge and believe only in the seen, the proven, the scientific, or the theoretical, or the impressionable, or whichever one. You choose. Noah said, I'm simply believing in the word of the Lord. And when the rains came, the floods rose, I've never read a story yet about one of those people 
banging on the side of the ark asking to get back in. Knocking on the sides, floating to the things, pushing each other under. I can imagine it if it was only a scene like the Titanic in our days. When people who are abandoning ship and using each other for life rafts and flotations to save themselves. I can only imagine in Noah's day the many people who were bobbing up and down on their own children trying to save their own lives. And not one of them could see the importance of the unseen because they did not have faith and without faith it is impossible to please God so I ask you this morning a faith like Noah who believed he would be rewarded and saved and who believed he would bring judgment and condemnation for the others changed his whole life, and lived in obedience. So this morning, let me ask you in closing, do you have biblical faith in God? Is your faith grounded in the sole verdict because it was spoken by the Lord? What other proof are you waiting on? Is your faith like these heroes of chapter 11 whose lives were affected and changed by their faith? It was faith put into action. Has it taken a hold of you over anything and everything else? If I rephrased it, I could say it this. Do you solely trust in God's word? Are you still being probed and pushed by the things of this world because there's more people that want to see the seen world and the proof of the physical world than seems to be those of us living in the unseen? And finally, let me ask you this, just simply. Has your faith made a difference in your following Jesus Christ? Do you have biblical faith? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. One must first come to God, believing that he already exists, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of faith. Father, through grace, you give us this faith. Faith to be able to believe in you as we come to you. Father, to believe that you exist and that you will reward us. Lord, give us enough faith to begin believing in the realities of salvation, of condemnation, the realities that go along with redemption, understanding the whole creation aspect that points to you. Lord, let us place our faith in you. Let us look forward to all those who point us forward in your son, Jesus Christ. We only realize that it is with faith, faith that you've given us, convicted of the eternally unseen, that allows us to be pleasing to you. 
and we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the benediction. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And God's children said, amen. have a great Lord's Day.